0: Well, our next guests are interesting because uh, it's a husband and wife. And it is Elizabeth Brady and Christian Brady. And I know a lot of people are wondering how they can honor their children after a loss. And they're going to tell you about their organization and what they've done. They established the Mac Brady Memorial Soccer Fund in honor of uh, their son. And uh, they'll tell us about how they did it and and their thoughts. And it's wonderful to have a husband and wife on working together to build memorials. And thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for having
1: us. Our son Mac died of a blood infection. It was sepsis. It came out of nowhere. And within 36 hours, it was New Year's Eve, um, he was on a helicopter at about 1130 at night being flown from State College, Pennsylvania, down to Hershey Medical Center, Penn State Medical Center. And uh, we didn't know until we got to the hospital, but he passed away on the helicopter. And, um, you know, there was no preparation, there was no indication that there was anything wrong, it just looked like a flu. But as we drove back at three in the morning to go pick up our daughter who was uh, Izzy, who was at a sleepover, we started talking about what we should do and how we should allow others to really participate in the grief with us. I mean, we wanted to remember our son certainly, and, um, but we also knew that there would be others who'd wanna participate. And I guess because I'm an academic dean, um, I've spent a lot of time helping folks um, establish memorials, scholarships and things uh, in, in honor of their loved ones. And so while we thought for a moment about doing something for the life flight crew, because they were just amazing, and we know it impacted them, we wanted to celebrate and remember Mac as he lived with his vibrancy and, and joy. And he loved soccer and he was a goalkeeper. And everybody told us he was actually really an exceptional goalkeeper. And so um, State College, Pennsylvania, home of Penn State, is a small town. In fact, 100. I mean, the church had never been so full for the funeral. All of the deans and the president and provost came. And um, but what we wanted is we decided we wanted Mac, who dreamed of being a Penn State goalkeeper, we wanted his name then to be associated. So we created a fund and we figured we'd have to put a lot of money into it ourselves. And there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people who have donated and what emerged. And Elizabeth will share with you about the clinic and things as well. What emerged was a way not just for us to grieve, but for Mac's buddies, Um, all the families around who just didn't know Mac, but kind of knew about us um, and just, you know, I'm sure Father Al experienced this too. When a when a young child goes, uh, dies inexplicably, you know, there's just a there's this outpouring. And um, it provided that context. And now the last thing I'll say is that on the other side, in terms of a legacy in its most positive way, what this is allowed is, is a couple of times a year at the at the clinic in January, usually, and then at the Big Ten home opener when Penn State plays uh, their first home Big Ten soccer match. We're out there, and there are college students with signs with Max' name on it. They're 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 cheering on the goalkeeper who bears Max' num- name. Um, so it, it, it he stays alive in a very real way, and will long after we're gone. Uh-huh. Elizabeth,
0: thank you. Um, and I I just want to add to that because it's kind of Interesting that We're coming on 10 years since Mag died. He died New Year's Eve 2012. So we're coming into this important decade. Um, I remember, you know, reading so many different things after Mag died. And I remember reading one from uh, a writer who said, you know, I really think we should measure grief in decades instead of years. And I just remember putting the book away and just thinking, oh my gosh, that is exhausting to think about uh and it was too much at that time to think about and now we're here entering into that decade and so especially for the folks who are newly bereaved uh i would say it's hard to imagine uh but there are surprises along the way and i think of um anne lamont with the uh the notion of the um in the dirt the flecks of gold that come and I think one of the flecks of gold is we to be at a MAC clinic and have little kids run up to us with his patch on and just be there, they never met him they weren't even alive when he was alive. Uh, to be inspired by his legacy and his love of sport and his love of friends and um, and so that continues, but I, I would also like to say too that. Um, one very tangible thing that helps is that um to have an event or have something that you love and it doesn't have to be big to the point that everyone's made today it doesn't have to be a foundation it can be any kind of uh something that they loved or a meal or some sort of contribution where you celebrate their life in addition to remembering their death and i think that that um, both are important, of course, both are important to recognize, but there is something that frees other people to celebrate him beyond the death day, because as the point has been made here many times, uh, particularly those who are not, you know, in the bereaved community yet <laughs> yet um, are very uncomfortable talking about our continued love for Mac, who has died. And so I think that by having um, having something to celebrate, something that he enjoyed, something people can participate in that's more familiar to them, uh, also somehow opens different doors too. And I think that um, I think over the years uh, that's been kind of a surprise to me is to see how much other friends of his and other folks actually enjoy um just enjoy celebrating something that he loved and then we you know tie it into other things but i think that that's helped um, helped on a lot of different areas i would say
1: yeah brokenhearted is asking how long will it be before I can talk about my daughter's death without sobbing? It's been seven weeks, and I'm sorry, uh, deeply grieved for your loss. Elizabeth okay. just said it's been almost 10 years and I'm um, holding back the tears now. Yeah. Um, but the little things too, I remember vividly going back on the road for a fundraising trip. <clears throat> oh, for four or five weeks after Mac passed away. And I was in Chicago O'Hare Airport. And one of the things I had picked up as a little habit was I get a small snow globe for my daughter and a keychain for my son. And, you know, when you travel, you're sort of in a different world. And I was in the, the little store there picking out uh, a um, snow globe. And then I went to pick up the keychain and suddenly it hit me. And I just broke down and I ran out, called Elizabeth, and she said, Buy him a keychain. I mean, I have, I don't know, I probably have over 100 keychains now because I continue. Uh, to do these these things and to do these moments. Um, and I think I heard David uh, Kessler say earlier today in terms of finding meaning, and I think this is what Elizabeth and I both are, are uh, sort of espousing, is that um, we can imbue these moments with meaning, not, not to say that the death has to have meaning or redemptive quality itself, but rather from those moments, we can move forward. Uh, Epictetus, the Stoic philosopher, said, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control the choices we make from that moment. Uh, and, in, and in my book, uh, just a nod to Father Al, and I know he had his book come out, You know, I wrestle with that theological question that I don't believe God took our children, but I believe God's with us when we move from here. And so much of what we do is is action, Mm-hmm. And and I think that's you know that's what Elizabeth's saying that I want to affirm. It's that providing for ourselves these small actions that can become greater memorials, um, I mean, not just the going to a graveside periodically, yeah. um, but real true celebrations. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's um, uh, it, what it can be so incredibly hard and difficult, uh, and yet you're inviting other people in, uh, in in that process too. And I think they're. There can ironically uh, or that's not the right word, but there can be found joy uh, in in the in the in the remembering.
0: I just want to piggyback on that, too, and say, first off, I'm so sorry. Seven weeks is I just, um, you know, hold I, I hold you and think of you because uh, it's hard. I was still teaching and I remember. Um, you know, it was very difficult for me to, it was almost like approaching a campfire. Some days I could come close to it. Uh, Some days I felt more confident to speak about Mac and and share and other days I just couldn't go there. And and I knew, started to see in myself, uh, some days I felt more confident and sort of um, different than I did on other days. And I just sort of started to allow myself that that was okay. You know, that it's, uh, there's no, um, you know, as as everyone has said here to do as well, but there's no formula. Uh, some days you feel differently than other days. And some days I'm able to speak. I think uh, time doesn't heal, but it does help in this sense of ownership. And I think this is something that, um, that i had to learn myself which is taking ownership of my continuing role as max mom whether he was here or not and many people initially were a little bit uncomfortable with that and I think that that um, helps through meeting with other peers and other bereaved parents that help, you know, sort of guide the way and help, you know, inspire you in, in places like this, which are really helpful. Um, but it is a kind of um, it's a kind of identity almost as a bereaved parent and max mom that we learn to take on again, and a few tears are okay. Uh, We I will I'm heading into 10 years and always happy to cry tears and how much we miss Mac and how much we love him, but also not to be swayed and uncomfortable by the people who get really uncomfortable with me talking about Mac and and to say, you know, I know and I'm sure before Mac died, I probably would have felt the same way. But I want to say that the love that we have for him has not died and we celebrate him in our lives in small ways and big ways. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry that makes you uncomfortable, but that is something that is so important and how we how we share his love the rest of our remaining lives. Right. And so I would say first off, to be gentle with yourself um, as you grow into this. New journey, um, and also to uh, the the notion of the continuing relationship uh, with your child uh, to be open to the surprises in that too.
1: I think I would also add, you know, Elizabeth talking about caring for herself and and caring for one another. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things is to dispel the myth that. Um, couples, uh, usually, statistically end in divorce after child dies, it's simply not true The the data doesn't bear it out. Elizabeth has an essay on that. But more importantly, is is to support each other to recognize when the other needs time. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of grace it is, per se. But over the years, when I've needed to do nothing but ball, Elizabeth has been able to hold me up. And the same has been true, vice versa, when she's needed to express her grief or wanting to go and act in a certain way to help to remember Mac and to do things. It's just been incredibly important for me to support her in doing that in the same way that she supports me. And I think as couples and as families, that's a major part. Um, I remember very poignantly for me growing up, I was about 14 and my grandfather died, my mother's father, very close knit family living together, but also very um, dysfunctional for lack of a better word. And granddad sort of held it all together. And I remember my my mother telling me how her mother and her sister were grieving wrong. There are some ways of grieving that are unhealthy, but there are no ways that are wrong. We all are gonna grieve differently. And so we have to provide room for one another to do that, Mm -hmm. to try and coax each other into healthier spaces. Uh, I've been very blessed to have a friend and mentor who's a psychiatrist who said, you know, you can go there for a time but don't linger in that place. Uh-huh. Sometimes we need somebody to help walk us out of that, that sort of oasis of grief. It's okay to go back now and then, it's it's appropriate, but we don't wanna stay there. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at these questions from Angelina and and Donna and poor Justin, who uh, suffered the the murder uh, of, of a child, you know, put their names here for us so that we can remember them with you. Um, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and it will be hard. Uh, There's no way around it. It is hard. Uh, Jill, I think made the comment that death is never pretty, even the most peaceful. Um, But we go through it. Um, I use the analogy sometimes that it's like having a beautiful pair of Bostonian shoes, I have to wear a suit most of the time for work. And you know, Bostonian. they make these really nice men's shoes. But imagine having a beautiful pair of shoes or Prada or something. um, But they don't fit they're incredibly tight and and they just pinch and they hurt and you've got blisters, but you can never take them off. Mm -hmm. Initially, you're going to limp and wince and people go, what's wrong with you. And you'll say, I've lost my child. I've lost my mother, but eventually the calluses will form. Your, your walk will kind of balance out a little bit and people won't notice so much to, to father Al's point, right? Mm -hmm. You'll, you'll lose those, those 24 hour friends will, will move on. Uh, And I think uh, our next uh, speaker is going to talk about how we regain life moving from here. Mm -hmm. But one of the keys is no matter how painful, no matter how ill fitting those shoes are, is that we get up and we take that first step every single day. (laughs) Some days, it's going to hurt like hell. And other days, it's still going to hurt like hell, but you'll, you'll manage and you'll keep moving. And we just have to be there supporting one another as best we can that's so much of what this broad community is nearly Mm -hmm. 300 folks here on this on this conversation Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. i think we're also just thankful that we can share the name of mac Uh, we even have a picture i think they're going to put up here Mm -hmm. so these little folks most of them as elizabeth said weren't even born when mac passed away Mm -hmm. he was a part of a, a little soccer club we created called the celtics they now have over a hundred kids as a part of this club and program. And on the left sleeve of their jerseys, they all wear a little patch that has max name and number on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a legacy. It's a it legacy is. to be proud and of. And
0: I, I think too, hun, just to add, because I think we're running out of time here, so we want to respect that. But the, um, is that um, it's the, the legacy, I think, is, is where we find meaning. And it's not so much the uh, you know, the acts of it, but the surprising relationships and the, um, the opportunity to share Mac's name, to practice saying their names. Um, as a teacher, I have, unfortunately, so many of my young students whose friends have committed suicide uh, in college and late in high school. Um, it is something that grief is so, is around us so much. And I think that coming to places like this, and especially for uh, Gloria and Heidi, who just host so much and help us give us tools um, to not only for ourselves, but to start to help the larger community uh, start to speak about grief and understand it as a part of life that will come. And I think that that um that's another part of this as well Oh, thank you so much christian and elizabeth you guys are amazing at the work you've done and the help you've given people and uh, thank you again well, thank you, you for having us